holiday tips and wine stories from Kristen and Paul at Total Wine and More. The sweetness of a maple glazed ham paired with a bourbon barrel aged Cabernet. We went there. Now my taste buds are hopping. I can help you impress the boss with a great bottle of wine. Here's to a raise in 2019. As you check off that gift list, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine and More. Come explore at our 12 Northern Virginia locations. Now open in Reston at Plaza America Center, across from Whole Foods. Shop online at TotalWine.com. Motorcycle Madhouse, presented by Insane Throttle Biker News, hosted by none other than... Well, right now, I don't feel too agreeable. ...everyone's favorite online personality, the thorn in every field side... James Hollywood Machikari and his partner in crime, Double Barrel. How you doing? I'm James Hollywood Machikari, and we're joined here today with Double Barrel. It's about time he got back onto the show. Hey, what did I say about work the last time? <laughs> you gotta work. I get it. I get work. it. Well, today we're going to talk about how to prepare for a long-distance trip, and there's no better than uh, Double Barrel to help us uh, get through it and talk about it, since he is a mechanic, and I know we've been getting a lot of emails about what our thoughts are on how you can prepare for the long trip, what you need to look for on the bike, and basically, how to go about the trip. Well, so, it all depends on where you're going, you know, what you're doing. So that would help if we had scenarios, but... Well, let's say you know, somebody's traveling uh, from West Coast to Sturgis. From West Coast to Sturgis. Yeah, uh, they're coming from San Diego all the way up to Sturgis. So well, that's a pretty good ride right there. Yeah, it is. Uh, it depends on the bike, really. You know, um, biggest thing is, like, all right, if you got, like, a no-vibration Goldwing, you know, you, you really don't have to check your bolts, your axles. Your, I mean, you should. You should always check everything, but... They usually don't loosen up like a Harley does, like uh, some of the real vibrating shit does. But you always want to check, again, not on a Goldwing, but uh, if you got a Harley, you got to check your belt, your tires, of course. Air, air temperature or air pressure, I mean, is unbelievably important because uh, let's say you got a bad valve stem. You know, and then as you're riding, the tire's getting lower and lower and lower, and it'll actually tear up the sidewall of the tire. The tire might look fine, but out of nowhere, it'll just blow out. So, that's a big one. Always check the tire pressure. Um, with nowadays, with the injected bikes, you really don't have to worry about, you know, how high in the air you're going to go. Uh, the old carburetor bikes, though, man, there's been a few times I've been up in uh, mountains and that bike wasn't too happy, <laughs> so you, know, you don't have to you don't have to worry about it as much nowadays. But so, what do you, why do you think it's uh, you know what? By what you're saying, it's like everybody should go out there and get a Goldwing. No, what I'm saying is, is there's different. Like if you have a shaft drive bike, obviously you're not checking a belt on a shaft drive bike. So, <laughs> but I mean, they make you know they make motorcycles that vibrate. They make them that don't. You know, obviously, the only reason I said a Goldwing is that's probably one of the smoother motors as far as when it's running. It's not shaking around. It's not whatever. I mean, you get the Yamaha, the big twin Yamahas. They they move around, and um, some of the VTXs move around, and, and crap like that. But you get different ones that don't do that. So depending on the bike, it, it all depends on what you're doing. You know, on a Harley, you got to check everything. 
and I'm not really knocking them. I'm just saying you have to check everything. They vibrate a lot. They do a lot. And, uh, you know, shit loosens up. And that it just happens. There's nothing you can do about it. It just happens. And uh, what about plugs and oil? and? Well, yeah, but I call that a standard. I mean, if you're going to do a trip like that and you just jump on a bike, you never check everything, then you're just asking for it. You know, of course you want to check your oil, your tranny, all your fluids, the whole nine. Um, I'll tell you one of the biggest ones is, is guys, they pick it up from the shop, right? And they instantly go on long trips. Don't do that. Don't ever, ever do that. If a dealership's working on your shit or whatever, or an independent shop, ride it around for, you know, give yourself like a week. Don't just jump on the bike and take the fuck off because you don't know if everything's fixed or, you know, because you might have one problem and not even know that there's another one. And if you just go taking off on a fucking trip, you, you find out real quick. So... I mean, that, that'd be my biggest thing, you know, check your axles, check everything. And, because uh, there's really no way to prepare, you know, you can check the obvious shit, but there's really no way to know what the hell's going to break next. I mean, there really isn't. Well, you know, going past, you know, going past the bike, I think you also need to put together a roadmap, an actual plan of uh, a route you're going to take. Yeah, but... A lot of people rely on GPS nowadays. Remember, we talked about how they got bikes that help you take a piss. And <laughs> you know, I, I still to this day in my bike, I have a, a foldable map because, and that's another thing. You know what? That's a big one. Uh, take a map or an atlas or something because what if you lose signal on the GPS or what if you're somewhere where it doesn't fucking work? Right. you got to try to figure out where the hell you're going. Exactly. You know? Or another thing, um, and I still got one on mine, is a compass. You know, if, if you know you're going east, then you, you can find east and you can just take a road east. Yeah, maybe you don't know where you're at right that minute, but you might run into something and you'll see a town name or you'll see something. Because a lot of these spaces, especially in the middle of the... The U.S., there, there's a lot of dead spots with cell phones, GPS, shit like that. No, especially going through the Rockies or some big mountains. Especially going through the Rockies, man. You're not going to know and unless you have either a compass, a map, or anything to where you can get your point of origin, you're going to be pretty fucked. I mean, you really are. So, plus... Uh, how you pack the bike's a big deal. Oh, that's a huge deal. You know? Well, you got to decide if you're going to be a motel or you're going to be camping or, you right. know. Well, if you're going to be camping, I recommend bringing a big bowie knife for, uh, you know, your bags and stuff, especially if you're camping out where, you well, know. Well, I carry a knife yeah. everywhere. Well, I'm not talking about a little one. I'm talking about over Rambo. So yeah, well, that's bowie. what I'm saying. I, I carry a knife like that everywhere. Um, but, you know, another one is, is, this is just me. Even if I'm planning on staying in a hotel or whatever, I always take like maybe a, a small tent or or something. And the reason being is is let's say hey let's say you do break down. Let's say it's the middle of the night. You didn't make it to your destination. At least you can throw up just something, you know, in case it starts raining or whatever, to stay out of the elements. And that's important. Because, you know, again, man, if you're somewhere with no cell service, you break down, 
you know, and it's the middle of the night, what the hell are you going to do? Sit next to your bike? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know. Well, in the old days, we used to have the tarps and lay the tarps over the bike and sleep under, you know, the bike like that. Yeah, but, but I'm uh, getting fucking old, man. Yeah, it, it, does. it does. My knees are killing me half the time. You don't have yeah, to tell them, man. It's, and you know what? I remember I remember I'm sitting next to my bike the one time. It was pouring fucking rain, and I had a tarp off to the side. And it was raining so hard that the water was bouncing from underneath and splashing me either fucking way. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it up. <laughs> this is fucking stupid. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I always take like a small tent, especially nowadays. Jesus, man, they fucking no way shit. Yeah. And, you know, I got a two-man that cost me like 13 bucks on Amazon. Right. They don't cost shit. They don't weigh anything. Fuck, my chaps take up more room than some of the tents that I got. You know, and well, that's another thing, rain gear. You're going to want to bring that along. I don't know. I've never been a fan of rain gear. No. Really. No, because, you know what, after a while, man, you start sweating. If you're in a hotter climate, you put that fucking little rubber. It's like wearing a goddamn condom. <laughs> I, I, fuck. I, I'm just not about it. So I, I always wear chaps, leather, and, yeah, it gets wet, but... I really don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm going to get wet either way. So, What do you think uh, they should check on the bike midway through the trip? Oh, you always check your fluids. Always. Especially with the Harleys. You know, you get the older Harleys, man. Some of them eat oil. They do. Um, I shouldn't... You know what? People always bash on Harley and, and depending. You know, maybe they'll bash on a Honda or they'll bash on a Yamaha or whatever. It, Look, it's a motorized thing, no matter what it is, just like your car or anything else. It's just a motorized thing. It's going to break. It's not like you're going to have a bike that never breaks. It's impossible. It's right. always going to break. Right. You know? Now, some of them, like uh, I know BMW's guys, I know a bunch of them, man, them guys ride everywhere, and i got to give them credit for that. But the one guy said it to me the best. He said, man, you know, it, it doesn't break very often. It really doesn't. But when it does, he goes, man, I feel that in my ass for at least two weeks because everything is so fucking expensive. So I get it. So it, everything's going to break. I don't care how good of a bike it is. And it doesn't make it a bad bike when it does. It just, it's just its time. So people need to get over this fucking, uh, you know, I never have issues with a motorcycle. Yeah, you will. Or you just don't ride enough. Right, right. They all break. Right. So... That, that's kind of where I'm at with it, and and people people tend to get overconfident. You know what I mean? You know, my bike will never fail me. Well, yeah, it will. That's yeah, why eventually I prefer, it will. Yeah. yeah, that's why I, I I prefer chain over a belt because on the side of the road I can carry a link. If I break something, I can just fucking slide the link in there and off I go. With these belt drive, well, with Harley belt drives, let me let me clarify. You gotta take your whole fucking primary off. You gotta go whatever. But Indians, Yamahas, they got them on the other side to where you take off a plate. And then you just put a belt on. So, again, it all depends on the bike that you're riding. It, it really does. That's all that matters. And if you got a, you know, uh, shaft drive bikes, they don't have without their problems too. You know, you gotta check the grease or the. The oil in the, in, the, in the shaft drive, you gotta check all that shit, because if you don't, that's the time it might bite you. And usually when a shaft drive breaks, it's kind of like a Harley belt breaking. Mm. You're walking. Right. Whatever the fuck happened, 
it's bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? You broke in a shaft drive. You broke gear. Um, you stripped a gear or something. You're walking. It's all there is to it. So, what kind of tools do you think somebody should have on them? As many as possible. I, I I never ever ever when anybody ever asked me, you know, what kind of tools should I, as many as possible. As many as possible. Obviously, you want the adjustable wrenches. You want. I mean, you're gonna want certain shit, and you're gonna want to know your bike. You know, if you got a metric bike, don't carry a bunch of fucking standard. You got a metric bike, grab a bunch of fucking metric. Right. Right. You know? And if you have an American bike, grab a bunch of standard. I mean, it's that's the big one. Know your bike. You know, if you have Allen, if you have a lot of Allen keys and and all that shit or Allens, you should grab an Allen set. You should do all that shit. So that you can do standard crap. But understand, you can't prepare for everything. You just can't. You That's know? why you need that roadside assistance. <laughs> well, yeah. My biggest thing I've always said to myself is I'm never mad at a motorcycle that makes me home. I, I, I just can't be. It might break so bad it's scary, but as long as it makes me home or makes me wherever I'm going, I can't be pissed at it because it made me home. Now, I've only walked a couple of times. They were both foreign. <laughs> and that's no shit. I've only walked a couple of times. They were both foreign. Does that make that foreign bikes bad? No, absolutely not. Many people will tell you, fuck, man, foreign is the way to go. They never break. And they, but you know what? That's bullshit. They all break, period. Especially when you don't take care of them. And a lot of guys don't do that either. My biggest thing, especially working on Harleys, is the biggest problem with a Harley is the owner. Because I don't know how many times I've heard it. I have a buddy. You know, that fucking term, I have a buddy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, next thing you know, he's got you about $1,000 worth of fucking damage. Well, yeah. Or he forgot a gasket. Or, fuck, I found a rag inside a motor one time. A fucking shop rag. You know, the guy's like, well, my primary's making a bunch of noise. And I'm like, huh. So I take the fucking primary cover. There's literally a shop rag just chewed the fuck up in there. <laughs> I'm like, so what happened here? And uh, the guy's like, well, you know, we had some drinks in us. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so my biggest thing is, and, and many people don't understand it. It's real simple. If a car breaks, you just coast your happy ass over to the side of the road and whatever, or you push it, whatever. If a motorcycle breaks and it's the wrong thing, you crash. That's all there is to it, you crash. So people need to understand that when they look at their motorcycle, understand that there's only two fucking wheels sitting there. It won't coast on its own, it won't nothing. Now, cars can do it, too. You can break ball joints and tire flies the fuck off and whatever, and people majority of the time crash. So, if there's anything to do with rolling on that motorcycle and it fails, you're going to crash. That, that, it's, <laughs> that's all there is. Well, that's why it's important to uh, keep up on its maintenance and actually, you know what, if you can't do the work, and I know a lot of people out there say you're not considered a real biker if you don't work out of your bike. Oh, that's bullshit. It's screw that. You know, the technology is, out there right now. <laughs> that is 100% bullshit. I also heard that built, not bought crap. Right. Let me tell you something, man. If a dude's working his fucking ass off to pay for this shit to be done, 
Yeah, he paid for it, but he's working his fucking balls off doing it. So I'm not going to fault a guy for that. It has nothing to do with me being a mechanic either. It's just I'm not going to fault a guy for doing that. Look, if he's working his ass off, he's got kids and whatever, he can't not go to work to build his fucking bike. He, he well, I can't. think a lot of people, and especially the old scooter tramps, don't realize shovelheads ain't on the roads hardly anymore, you know, when they buy you know a what? new. You know what? Those were easy to work on. So were the Ironheads, some of the Evos. But when you get into some of this new 2018 yeah. stuff you know out there. You know I'm an Evo guy. I've said it a million times. I'm an Evo guy. I love Evos. But, okay, shovels always run. They do, but they had problems. Like, I've taken apart thousands of shovels, right? So, you have no idea how many times I've found, like, a broken piston ring and shit like that. And it was running, pulling in. You know, so... Shovels always run. They just might not like it, mm -hmm. but they always run. So but always, they were easier to work on, too, than the... Yeah, but you can say that about the Evos, too. It only really started going real weird when injection came along. And now you got fly-by-wire, and you got all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just prefer... I prefer, you know, cables. I prefer seeing the shit and knowing what I can fuck with. That's why I prefer Evos and a fucking um, carburetor. That's just why. But the shovels, though, they always ran. They just might not be happy about it. And then you got your old ratchet top transmissions where those would fuck up. Or they'd work great. But you could usually milk them home. Mm. And I think that's what you're getting at. Right. you could always kind of milk them to where right. the hell you were going. Well, that and, you know, trying to get the difference out there of, you know, what when somebody says if you don't work on your own bike, you're not a biker. Well... Technology's really freaking changed out no, there. No, no, no. You know what? I, I, That's I, like if you ask an old grease monkey who you know who's used to working in the eighties and the seventies on cars. Oh, the nowadays they're any, like, "What uh, the hell's going on?" The guy that can fix any Chevy three fifty. Right. Like you put modern shit in front of him, <laughs> and he's like, "I don't fucking even know where to look." You exactly. Know? Oh, you know what? I get that, but you should know some things about your. Body. Oh, definitely. At least the basics. And people don't. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know how to check your oil, you should fucking learn. If you don't know how to check your transmission, you should learn. Check your tires, shit like that. Like, nowadays, we, we said this not too long ago about the nowadays youth, if you remember. Mm -hmm. These motherfuckers can't even change a tire. Right. You they know don't even mean? know what a four-way is. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you got to learn something before you... And if you're going to take a long trip, don't rely on AAA, because what if your cell phone doesn't work? Like said, oh, yeah, there ain't no pay phones anymore. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> what if it's something stupid like you got a bolt that came loose, all right? That's another thing. Carry Loctite. Loctite is fucking unbelievably important, especially on the older Harleys. A lot of guys don't use Loctite, and I've heard the, oh, man, you know, Loctite, that's overrated. No, bullshit. <laughs> Loctite is a fucking, you have any idea how many fucking sprockets I've seen come off and just all this shit because when they changed the tire and they took the fucking rear sprocket off they didn't put Loctite on the bolts putting it back on so it may go what fucking 20,000 miles and all of a sudden them fucking bolts are coming out right. for some reason maybe you hit a bump to it jarred them just enough but when one starts to come out the other four are far aren't far behind because then that sprocket's moving around so Loctite's a big one, you know. 
and, and people just don't get it. You know, a lot of people go, well, man, if I put Loctite on, it's a real bitch to get apart. Well, so fucking what? That means that it's a real bitch to come apart when you're riding, too. So it's just fucking, Loctite's a big one. Right. And axles, another one, axles. The front axles on the older bikes, some guys, you know, they'll have a tire change. Maybe the guy was sleeping that fucking day. Check the fucking axle. Because if that falls out, you crash. You're done. Yeah, that's all there's to done. it. <laughs> you know, so that's that's how I see it. Plus, but you know what? It's so hard to fucking, to, man, it's it's real hard to do a multi-day road trip unless you're going to stay in a fucking hotel nowadays. It's not like before no. where you could pull off and nobody really fucked with you. And, yeah, now they're on you like your hobo right. and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, so, you, you know, plan, uh, you know what, if you're going to camp out, plan your campsites on the way. and Well, you can try, but there's always variables. That's why I'm saying, hey, you know what, even if you're planning on staying in a fucking hotel, take a tent with you. Take something to stay warm. Take, you know. Right. That's important, man. You have to plan for the shit that you didn't plan for. Exactly. Well, especially going through mountains, man. It gets cold at that, uh, you know, those higher elevations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And take a freestanding tent, if I'm going to say anything. Take one that you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to stake. Just take one where you can put the poles in and it stands up on itself. Right. Because right. if you're in the Rockies, you ain't pounding a fucking stake in the Rockies. No, I don't give a shit. You better just be able to pop that sucker <laughs> and let it go. That's right. <laughs> and that's when you might want the cop to come fucking ask you if you're okay. Which you probably won't at that moment in time. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're never there when you yeah. need them. <laughs> so, you know. But I'll tell you what, if you're illegally staying on the side of the road, they'll be there with fucking bells on. In a second. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, what are you Let doing? me see your license, registration, yeah. and insurance card. That's right. You carry anything? You got a weapon? Yeah, yeah. I got to check your bags. Let me bring the dog out. All that yeah. good stuff. <laughs> It happens. But, uh, well, that was a cool segment, man. We, You know what? The first time we ever did that kind of thing and uh, talked a lot more about bikes. And that's what uh, we're going to start talking about more on the Madhouse is the more fun, independent stuff and all that good job. Well, you're always going to have the other. And uh, depending on how crazy the other gets. Right. You know. What news is breaking and all that good stuff. Yeah, well. <laughs> but uh well that's it for this segment and uh hope you guys enjoyed it if you have any questions just uh forward it to us in the show notes i'll uh leave uh double barrels uh email address that way you guys can email them if you have any questions about working on your bike or what you should uh be looking for and uh with that i'll see you over in the next segment Hey everybody, this is Good Time Charlie, man, and I'll tell you what, uh, if you ever thought about being an actor, hey, send us a picture and some info to ironvoodoo57 at gmail.com. We're looking for kids around 15 to 18 to play us when we were younger in the new movie we're going to start filming in November. Iron Voodoo, V-U-D-U, okay? That's right, ironvoodoo57 at gmail.com. Keep your motor running. God bless America. Let's get nasty. So fat when he stepped on the scale and said to be continued. We now give you the adventures of Butterball.
Butterball walks into the pharmacy and says to the pharmacist, Listen, I have three biker babes coming over tonight. I have never had three biker babes at once, and I need something to keep me horny. Keep me potent, you know what I mean? The pharmacist reaches under the counter, unlocks the bottom drawer, and takes out a small cardboard box with a label marked Viagra. Extra strength and says, Here, eat this. You'll go nuts for 12 hours. The next day, Butterball rides down to the same pharmacy, walks right up to the same pharmacist, and pulls down his pants. The pharmacist looks in horror as he noticed that Butterball's Tiny Johnson is black and blue with the skin hanging off in some parts. Butterball says, Give me a bottle of Bengay. The pharmacist replies, Bengay? You're not going to put Bengay on your dick while it's in that condition, are you? No, it's for my arms. The girls didn't fucking show up. I know. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on iHeartRadio. Poor Butterball should have paid that pimp more dough. Maybe they would have showed up for him. Nah. You kidding me? Dude is 450 pounds. Pimp made the right choice. Don't waste good merchandise on a fat slob like Butterball. Tune in next episode for Adventures with Butterball. We catch up with them in the middle of a cheese store robbery. I guess the first step in solving a problem is admitting you had one in the first place. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. I'm Geek the Greek, your new newsman here at Motorcycle Madhouse, and in the news today, the new sex bot Samantha will turn down steamy romps if she's not in the mood. Sexbot Samantha's ability to say no was demonstrated to an audience of stunned academics at one of the UK's leading science villages. First off, you brothers across the pond, some freaks. <laughs> Even Butterball will have a hard time getting some with this sex robot. It seems sex robot Samantha can turn down romps if she's not in the mood. In the not too distant future, you can cuddle up to your cyber sex goddess, only to receive the automated response saying she has a headache. Well, ain't that, uh, you know, the same thing going on out there with the real women? But anyway. Samantha is built to please with motorized hands, hips, and other body parts, and a face which bears a sneaking resemblance to Jennifer Lopez. She has been designed to purr like a kid and then whisper endearments, but only if stimulated the correct way. The price tag for guys like Butterball can expect to pay 3,600 euros, or... 4183 in American dollars. Time to save up, you freaks. Also in the news, husband stuck inside lover white cheating after jealous wife asks a witch doctor to put a spell on them. 
The lovers had to be transferred by armed police to a secret location to be separated from one another by the witch doctor. An alleged cheating couple had been publicly exposed after they become stuck together during an illicit encounter in a Kenyan hotel room. The man's wife claims the embarrassing affair occurred shortly after she had contacted a witch doctor who helped set a trap to catch them both in the act. Mobile phone footage of the bizarre incident shows the women screaming as the two lovers lie in back of the truck on top of each other, wrapped in a rug to cover their naked bodies and surrounded by armed police officers. The cheating duo had to be rescued by hotel staff on Friday after shouting for help from their locked room. She began to become suspicious. The two may have had an affair and confronted her husband, who reportedly refused to stop his cheating ways. The angry wife then contacted a witch doctor who helped her set up a trap. That apparently led to this bizarre scene on Friday. Her husband and his lover had to be whisked away by the police after hotel management contacted authorities to come and help the stuck naked couple. The moral of the story here, don't piss off your wife, freaks. She might go all voodoo on your ass. Finally, a raunchy couple risked their life to have public sex on a sloped rooftop of a four-story building. Some people get their kicks from risky sex, but this randy couple have taken things to the next level. The pair were caught on camera dicing and playing with death. The sloped roof of four-story building. The young couple were filmed by eyewitnesses on the roof of the building in the historic center of the city of Lviv in western Ukraine. And the pair looked like they were in danger of toppling off and crashing down to the street below as they romped close to the very edge of the roof. The cameraman, who was watching the couple from neighboring building, can be heard in the video laughing and urging them on. Go for it! Go for it! He could be here shouting before adding, Dude! If you need help standing up, the video is proven popular with viewers after it was shared on Facebook by the cameraman who said it was one of the highest buildings in the city center. And that's your Thursday edition news. How's up and comers of the music scene? Let's get this show rocking for the next segment. Okay, everybody, let's get this party started. Going into the next segment, we got Scream Inc. with Higher and Higher.
Valorous Fitness Custom Clothing Line is bringing the motorcycle and fitness culture together. Be heard and stand out in the crowd with our custom apparel and clothing. If we don't have what you're looking for, we'll bring your ideals to life. We're also proud sponsors of Motorcycle Madhouse on Insane Throttle. Check us out on www.outoftheboxclothingandproductsllc.com. We have great feedback, and we'll do our best to keep it that way. Hell of a tune right there. Higher and Higher by Scream, Inc. If you're an upcoming band and would like one of your songs featured on Motorcycle Madhouse, email the MP3 to info at insanethrottlebikernews.com. Now we have a very special interview coming up with Zeke. Zeke is a member of the Combat Vets Motorcycle Club and veteran of the Korean War. But before we go into the interview, I would like to say thanks to all those who support Motorcycle Madhouse and Insane Throttle. We have received tons of support via email and the hotline. Although our YouTube page has been shut down by some cowards, 
We have another one set up to go. It will be repopulated in the next few weeks. I have a vagus nerve implant procedure coming up this Saturday for these seizures I've been having and should be rocking and rolling in no time. Many have been asking about the live shows and as soon as this is all taken care of, we can go back to that format. Until then, I've been pre-recording some episodes of The Madhouse to make sure it don't skip a beat. Right now, we are in the appeals process for our Facebook page and we are told we should have the decision shortly. I'm confident it will be up and running again soon. In the meantime, head on over to our Twitter page and follow us there. So with that, let's go to Zeke, the Korean War vet, and he's also a member of the Combat Vets Association, or my fault, Motorcycle Club. Hollywood Motorcycle Madhouse, available on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and all major podcasting platforms. Zeke on the line. He uh, got his first scooter when he was 15 years old. Been in the lifestyle for quite some time now, and he's also a Korean War vet. We're going to get his opinion on uh, the Korea Summit, all that good stuff right now. How the biker lifestyles uh, changed a little bit since he's uh, got going in it, and uh, it's just such a treat to have a veteran of uh, Zeke's stature on right now with the Madhouse. How are you doing, Zeke? I'm doing great. Oh, that's that. You know what? That's awesome. You know what? We're happy to have you on uh, the Madhouse. We appreciate your service, and you know what? Can't thank you enough for you know everything you've done for this country. Uh, you were telling me you got your first scooter at 15 years old. What kind was it? Oh, it was a 1937 80, and I paid a hundred bucks for it. <laughs> Oh, wow. And I, I didn't have a driver's license either. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you wish you still had that but, one now, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I wish I did. Well, I still have a 1951. Oh, you got a 51 Real. still, too, huh? Yeah, I got that for sale, though. <laughs> I'm going to sell it. I'm <laughs> well, how much old. you got that for sale for, man? I'll try to get it out there for you. Huh? How much you want for it? Oh, it was completely re redone. The motor and everything is all rebuilt. Beautiful looking bike, lots of chrome. It's got electric start and a kick start. And I'd like to, I got to, trying to get 24000 for it. Okay. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, in the show notes, uh, I'll have my email address if you, you'd like to get a picture of uh, the bike uh, and uh, get you in contact with Zeke through my email. Uh, he wants how much again for it? About twenty four thousand. About twenty four on there, guys. So uh, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> let's help, let's help Zeke out if he wants to get a soul. Let's get it sold for. But uh, you said you got in at fifteen years old. What year was that? Uh, I believe it was nineteen forty eight. Oh, forty eight. Okay, forty seven to forty eight. I'm not sure. Okay. I was 15, though, anyhow. Right. Well, this is a real treat for us. Uh, what was it like back then as far as uh, being a biker? Oh, it was nice. I mean, the traffic, well, there was no traffic, and you could ride in the rain, and it it, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and we had streetcar tracks to contend with. You know, you had to know how to go across those, and, it was mm -hmm. it was nice. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Was it, you know, you were, now that was the era where uh, most of the vets were, were uh, returning from WW2, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was, uh, was it a totally different lifestyle compared to what it is today? Oh, yeah, it was. It, it was a lot better. I'm, like I say, I, I'm glad I'm as old as I am because I didn't want to, this generation is, you know, it's, it's too, too fast. And, you know, years ago, it was, everything was slow and everybody was happy and every, our neighbors, you knew everybody on the block. And nowadays, you, you don't even know the people next door. People oh, are just sad. They're not friendly anymore. I mean, a lot of people are friendly, yeah, but still, it's different. It, it's mm-hmm. altogether different. Mm-hmm. Now, was it a different type of uh, crowd in the biker scene? Was it more flat track racing back then or a lot of motorcycle clubs or just weekend stuff? Oh, yeah. We had we had a motorcycle club in Menominee Falls. It was uh, the Roaring Tigers was the name of it. And uh we had about 30 guys in there, and we would take trips and go down to Chicago and, you know, on Maxwell Street Day, and and uh it, it, it was really nice. I mean, we hung out a lot down at the lakefront, just lay on the grass and talk, you know, and and it, it was it was nice. Mm-hmm. Now, did you do any uh, Soldier Field uh, visits during that time? I know they had uh, the races back then. Oh yeah, we had, yeah, we, we went up to, we went up to the motorcycle races, uh, uh, because I was friends with Don and Roy's and Don and Roy's, uh, uh, bike shop is still out on, uh, Blue Mound Road. And, uh, it, 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 those guys, Don and Roy's, they raced, so we went and watched them race. And we went to hill climbs and, and, uh, when I was stationed down in, in uh, Kentucky, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, uh, we had a dirt track there, and we we raced our, our street bikes there. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we did hill climbs on a, on our street bikes and everything else, you know. Because if one bike went to heck, you just bought another one. They were cheap. They were cheap and, back uh, then, unlike they are today. It's an arm and a leg. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and night. In 1951, I bought a, a bike with 1,200 miles on it for $975. Oh, man. <laughs> have something like yeah. that today. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it was more of a relaxed atmosphere back then compared to what's going on today. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Now, if you start having fun, the cops are on you right away, you know. <laughs> it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was the cops back then? Were they were they really uh, aggressive back then, or they just let everybody be? Oh, mostly they. Well, like I say, I didn't have a license, and they didn't. Cops didn't care. I mean, they knew it. Uh, mm-hmm. We were friends with the cops, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and they that they walked the beat. I lived in West Dallas, and uh, they I, I knew the beat cops real well. They didn't bother us at all. Right, and like unlike today where it's profiling anybody yeah. on a bike. <laughs> well, you know, nowadays nowadays you're a biker, you're an outlaw, you know. Uh, right. What do you think that started coming about where they started that perception? 
Oh, God, I don't know. It must have been, oh, in the, in the 60s or before, maybe in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. And that's when they and started then, thinking, and okay. Had, you know, but uh, now I belong to the Combat Vets Association, and that is really a nice uh, uh, biker group. We have oh, a lot yeah, of they're, they're great. And we is that the nationwide one? Huh? Yeah. Are they nationwide? Okay, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking they're about. They're worldwide. Worldwide. Oh, worldwide, our, okay. Combat vets are all, all over the world. So, and, and then we do all, all, any money we make goes right back into the, into the veterans. We do a lot of, uh, uh, for the homeless vets and any, and and even a flight for life, we we donate to, any money we make is all donated right back to veterans somehow. Wow, that's just awesome! Everybody out there, hear that? Start uh, opening up the checkbooks over to combat vets. It goes right back to our veterans. Yeah, that's that's what's needed. Now you said uh, you were in Korea. Uh, now with the Koreans, you know, just get off the biker uh, uh, stuff for a minute. The Korean summit, what's your uh, outlook on that since you served there? Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, you know, when we went there in Korea, it was all shacks and everything else. You know, it was a poor country. Now it's built up just like any city here in the United States. And it's too bad North Korea had to be the way they are. Because that's a poor country now. I mean, I, I feel sorry for the poor people there, but uh, I I don't know. It just do you think uh, actually we'll actually get somewhere with this summit this time, or do you think it's all smoke and mirrors with North Korea? Well, it 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 sort of seems like he wants to agree with stuff, but uh, is is he going to do it? Yeah, you know, gonna follow through. You don't, you don't know what. I mean, he says this there, but is he gonna do it? Mm. This is a, this is a problem. Right, right. Now, when you were over there, that was uh, uh, what fifty one or fifty two? I think it was. I was there. I was there in uh, fifty two and fifty three till the war ended, and I came home. Yeah. Okay. Now you know the Korea is the forgotten war. And a lot of people don't understand why it was fought and, you know, our participation into, with it, why we were there. Can you give them a little insight on that? Well, it it was there to stop the communism. I mean, if North Korea would have taken over the whole works, uh, it, would, it would just be... Uh, a, di- a dictatorship, and I don't believe in dictatorships. Right. And uh, but uh, why do you think uh, you know a lot of people? You know, I know in school, you know, they don't teach much about it. But why do you think uh, you know the Korea was uh, the Forgotten War? Well, I I don't know why. I, it was it was uh, uh, well the Vietnam War would. The homecoming for the Viets were a lot worse than what we got. We didn't uh-huh. get no homecoming at all. I, I was, I got on a, we got on a boat 
came over. I got, uh, we went to Fort Lewis, Washington, and, uh, from there we took a train down all the way through over to, uh, Fort Sheridan in Illinois, and then, uh, they kept us there for a day, and, uh, all of a sudden they just handed us our papers and said, go home. Well, I said, I don't have any money. I said, how am I going to get home? Well, it's your problem. I said, at least they could have gave us bus fare, you know. I thought that was a rotten deal. Well, that is rotten because you're over there fighting for our country and fighting against communism and putting your life on the line. At least they could have gave you was a bus ticket. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it is nothing. Just that, what that, they that's said. That's terrible to hear. Find your own way home. Well, so so you I was, take I was lucky. Now? I was lucky. I, I a guy loaned me twenty bucks to get a bus ticket. Well, that's good. Has the VA been good to you now, or is it still in uh, bad shape right now? No, the VA is a lot better than what it was. It, mm-hmm. It's in it's better shape. I, I go to the VA all the time, and uh, it, it it's, a, it's a lot better. Well, that's great. What type of things do you think they need improvement on? Oh, I don't know. I would <laughs> – well, okay. So now they're saying, well, uh, you can go outside the VA if you have a medical problem. If they can't, if they can't do it or if they can't get it within 30 days, fine. I have to go outside the VA. Okay, I have to put in my application and to go outside the VA and have somebody else pay for it. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'm in that process. And I called a guy at the VA, and I said, well, when will I be approved to go out and see, the, you know, another doctor outside the VA? He said, three or four weeks. I said, I can't wait that long. i got to have her surgery. Uh-huh. I said, forget it. I said to him, I said, forget it. I've got insurance. I'll just go on my own. I mean, that's – and they sent me a that's letter hard. saying – they sent me a letter saying – well, you have to go outside the VA because we the operation you need we can't do, so you have to go outside the VA. Well, that should be permission. Why do I have right, to wait? Right there. Uh, you know, to, to have the board approve it. Mm-hmm. So I just told them to wait. I forget it. Well, you know what? You know what? That's terrible, right there, because you did serve our country and. President Trump has, uh, you know, told everybody that, you know, the vets can go outside uh, the VA if they can't get the care they need. So, you know, hearing that story alone, you know, I encourage our listeners to get on our representatives right now and, you know what, let them know about uh, this case where a veteran needs surgery and, you know what, they keep on waiting around three or four weeks when he needs it now. He shouldn't have to go and pay out of his own pocket when, yeah. you know, he served our country. Right, right. Yeah, that's terrible. But uh, one last question for you. Uh, how was uh, the boot camp back then? Because I've heard stories about, you know, how easy it is now, politically correct now, compared to probably when you went through it, they were, you know, pretty hard-nosed back then. 
Uh, threw up? They were pretty hard-nosed during boot camp. Oh, no, 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 no. They weren't. No. No? I, I was I was in the Airborne. I was a paratrooper. And we, uh, we, it, it was nice. I, we got along good with the sergeants and, you know, everybody else when I was in, in there. It was hard, but it was nice. You knew everybody and, and, uh, even the officers. Well, when I went to Korea, then every, even the officers were buddy buddy, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. It was different when you're overseas. And uh, you served, uh, I think it was uh, MacArthur that uh, was in charge back then? Yes, yes, and they fired him. How? What, what he, kind of man was he like? He was he, like a, he, you know, a superstar. Well, yeah, he, he would he would have went to China. He wanted to. That's why they fired him. He wanted oh, to go right man. to China because we were fighting the Chinese. I mean, you know, in mm-hmm. Korea, we were fighting the Chinese, but. They're so so called volunteers, you know, but right. But even so, right. they were Chinese. But no. so that's kind of like the situation that uh, happened with Patton, where he wanted to go straight to Russia, but they fired him too. Yeah, <laughs> they, they would have well, listened to yeah. generals. <laughs> you know, I think the wars are just for the politicians. Uh, they they don't care. I mean, this country is is the biggest. We have the biggest of everything. We should go any place and win a war. And you can't, when we can't win a little stupid war like Korea or Vietnam, I mean, uh-huh. it, it's like, okay, you take this hill today and then tomorrow you back off and go let them have it back. I mean, that's the way it was. It was just up and down and it, it's ridiculous. You can have a war, have a war, get it over with. Right, and right now it's all these years later, and they're trying to discuss uh, finally ending the thing during a summit. (laughs) 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 If they would have listened, uh, MacArthur went all the way to China, we wouldn't have to worry about these nukes there and all that good stuff. But uh, you know what, I (laughs) wow, you know. I really appreciate having you on the program, Zeke, and uh, like I said, I'll put the info in the show notes and, you know, try to help you sell the bike, and I really hope you're able to get it to the VA, you know, yeah. get them to get something done for you. Well, I'm I'm all set on that deal. <laughs> but well, it's maybe for somebody else. Outside. It's just terrible. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I mean, if they can't do it, they can't do it. You know, then you go outside. But like I say, they sent me a letter saying I, 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 they can't do it, and I have to go outside. That should be approved. I mean, why do I have to go before a board and have it approved? Yeah, it you should know? be right there and then. Yeah. Right. Right. I got the letter. It should be. Right. So. Well. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on, Zeke, and you know what? I learned a lot, and I'm sure our audience has, and uh, everybody out there, don't forget, uh, if you see a combat vet, shake their hand, and uh, if you go to one of the runs, let's pony up, donate, and let's get uh, some of that out to the guys and gals who uh, served our country. But uh, with that, I'll let you go, Zeke, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Zeke. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, thanks. Bye.
Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and check me out over on Biker Angle. Also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.